Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. Rather than, than, than doing something on an impulse um, or making a decision uh, based off of someone saying you can do this or, or go ahead and, and, and purchase that car, that house, or, that, or get that credit card, you know, have those conversations with someone that's close to you, someone that you trust, uh, because having that second opinion isn't a bad thing. In the long run, it'll probably help you. Welcome back to the Building Us podcast, where we explore the intersection of relationships, family life, and personal finances. I am one of your hosts, Eric Garcia, certified financial planner and financial advisor. And I, as always, I am joined by my most esteemed friend and co-host, Dr. Matt Morris, couples counselor. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Thanks for that intro, your esteemed friend and colleague. What does that uh, mean? I, I use it. I hear people use What does that mean, esteemed? Where does that come from? I, yeah, I'll have to look Put that you on up. Spot. It, yeah. Self-esteem I'm good with numbers, to what, not, you know to to worse. esteem yourself is to value yourself. So there you go. your highly valued colleague. So I I highly value you as a colleague. And today we also have a guest co-host, kind of a, a good an, friend, an esteemed. highly esteemed friend, colleague of mine, financial co-financial advisor, Xavier Angel. Xavier, what's happening, man? Thank you guys for having me on today. Um, I feel special now. I'm your esteemed uh, colleague and friend. So, highly uh, thank you guys for having me on. Highly valued, highly valued. So, we the three of us we are in the business of giving advice or giving counsel. People come to us and they're seeking something from us. They're seeking words of wisdom from us, right? Because we're going to help their Matt. You help make their relationships better. Xavier, you and I help their I finances hope. better. But today we're going to flip. The table here. Turn the tables. Flip the script. Flip the script. Turn the tables. All right. And we're going to talk about the worst advice that we've been given, the worst financial advice we've been given. Matt, I guess you can share the worst relationship advice, but let's save that one for another show. Okay. So I'm interested in uh, in, in hearing from y'all the worst financial advice that you have ever been given, and we're going to follow this show up, this episode up, with the best financial advice that we've been given. So let's let's jump into this. Who wants to start? Let's see. I'm looking at my screen. Xavier, start us off, man. What's the worst financial advice that you've ever been given? The worst financial advice um, that I received was right after graduating from high school and uh, and, and heading off to college. Um, I was told that you know you, you walk on campus, you see all these different tables. The first week you're there. Um, these guys are, are, are approaching you. They want you to get open up these credit cards and they're, they're telling you, you know, we're going to give you whatever that limit may be, five, ten thousand dollar limit on these credit cards. Um, and, and so the advice was, look, just just come open it. it it's going to build credit. You could use it whenever you want to use it. Um, you know, don't worry about it. Just just use it and pay it back later. Um, that typically doesn't work the way that it, it's supposed to. Um, you know, I, I can remember graduating from, uh, when I graduated from undergrad and looking at um, the debt 
that I had incurred over a four and a half, five years of, of being in college um, and then moving. Um, so I moved out of the country for my first job. And, you know, the second part of that, that bad advice was don't worry about paying it back right now. Uh, you can actually pay it back, you know, when and if you come back to the States. Uh, when and if? So like, if yeah, you never when, come back, just don't worry if. about it? Well, my um, when I when I initially moved over to uh, to Holland, I lived in Amsterdam for just over two years. Um, my goal wasn't to come back to the states. It it was you know I, I love it here. I'm going to continue to work here. I'll go back and visit. Um, and so I was told, well, you know, don't worry about paying that back on a monthly basis because you're over in Europe. Um, you know, it'll be fine. Do we have a? Um, uh, I'm sure we have extradition laws with uh, not that you'd get extradited for not paying debt off, but like. I think the credit card companies can find you in Holland, right? Yeah, they, they so, can. So here but, you, you are. Know. So you're a young, you're a, you're a young man. You graduated from high school. You've got this this nice diploma, and you go to college. And they're like, take the credit cards, right? Because you can right. Eight, fund 18, your, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You you can fund your living expenses on this credit card. Dude, the free T-shirts must have been off the charts, right? Oh, you know, you, you, you get two, three T-shirts because you're applying for two and three cards and yeah, the pens, the you coffee should, cup. You should have a, a quilt like with all the T-shirts from the credit card just to commemorate that. Like, hey, this is the worst advice that I've ever been given. You know, I'm, I'm, when Caitlin, um, so my oldest, 22 years old, is, is going to graduate school next year. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to have her, I'm going to say, Caitlin, you know, as you're walking through, look at the number of tables and the t-shirts, get me some t-shirts and, and we'll make a quilt and we'll, we'll hang it on the wall here in the office. <laughs> the credit card t-shirt quilt. Right. I like it. You know, Xavier, I, I, uh, I guess I got this same advice when I was an undergrad at Texas tech university a long time ago, uh, right between my dorm and the, the. Uh, the dinner hall, the place, you know, the, the, where you could go eat. Um, there was a, a, there were tables offering credit cards and they would give them away to anybody who wrote their name down. I, I think like I, I tried to misspell my name. I don't think I wrote down my social security number correctly. You know, this is pre email. So the, the mail just came to your dorm mailbox and, and yeah, I got a credit card and, and misused it. And, you know, whatever jeans I bought at the mall with that credit card cost me a lot more than they actually did in paying that back. And it took a long time. But, yeah, I guess that was a kind of bad advice is, hey, you have no money, no income, but you need a credit card. So, hold on. Who, who's giving you the advice? Is it the people trying to market the credit card or this, like, you know, family, people or mentors in your life giving you this advice? That, that advice, um, you know, it's coming from... It's coming from those sitting at the table who the, the, the banks, the credit card companies that yeah, want you to okay. go in there and, and, and get those credit cards. The, the hawkers, not not my right. family, the hawkers. We call that, uh, in our industry, we call that conflicted. <laughs> they were highly conflicted mm. in giving you that advice. Mm. So Matt, you said the jeans that you bought were more expensive than they should have been. Explain that for us. Well, I, I don't remember. I, let's say that my initial freshman college uh, credit card probably had a $500 limit on it. So that means I could take myself down to the, 
the mall. Did you get Zeke Cavaricis or Jabot? It was probably Jabot back then. Huh? Probably Jabot. I had a pair of Zeke Cavaricis, but that was a that was even earlier. So they were some cool, expensive jeans. I probably bought some Doc Martens with my credit card. Did you card roll? Too. Did you roll the cuffs of your jeans? I, I probably have at yeah. some point in my life. Sure, yeah, not in not these days, but uh, so anyway. Let's say the jeans were a hundred bucks. Bought it on credit card. You know, I didn't really know that much about paying back a credit card. I'd never done that, so I didn't know that the in, you know those jeans now carried interest the balance carried interest and everything that i purchased got more expensive by not paying it off fully and so it was kind of like a layaway a layaway plan but you got to have the merchandise immediately so there's that immediate gratification mm. and then you slowly pay it off or or never quite pay it off or forget to pay it off or move to another country by the way xavier Amsterdam is just one of the most beautiful cities in the world, isn't it? That, that's a wonderful, beautiful it's, place. It, it is. It, it, I loved being over there. Um, you know, the, the culture alone was, was just um, was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. That's where so, I picked up my love for gardening. Uh, yeah, they know how to grow flowers. But so, yeah, my, uh, my jeans, whatever I bought, and, uh, and those Doc Martin boots that I loved – probably ended up costing several hundred more dollars than they than the sticker price you know i never had a pair of jabos and i never had a pair of doc martens it's not too late it, man can i find jabos i know i can get doc oh, martens you can I don't know about jabos yeah xavier yeah, at what point I mean, did you realize that like you know i do need to pay this back like you said like they told you don't worry about it so you're over here living <laughs> living, living in amsterdam with credit card debt um, when I got back to the States and I went to try to buy my first car mm, yeah, and, and we're looking at, uh, we're looking at how terrible, uh, my, my credit score is. Um, that's, that's when it all hit me that, you know what, this wasn't a bad, this was a bad idea. Um, you know, racking up the debt. I, you know, I, I was like, I was like Matt, um, with, with spending more than what, um, he should have, you know, on a Friday afternoon, uh, after I took a after I took a chemistry exam, um, I'd I'd walk to the store and I'd I'd go buy um, CDs, you know, buy two three CDs and and yeah. you know that was on a weekly basis and that was my that was for comfort. I did it not because I I had to, but it was more it made me feel better after walking out of that chemistry exam. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then C- CDs life, were expensive back then. I mean, fifteen bucks yeah. easy for a CD. So right. you, you drop forty five dollars pretty quickly yeah, to feel better exactly. after the chemistry exam, and, and, and all of that piled up and therapy you know, spending. You look at seven eight years later, you know the interest, um, the, the, the the fines for not paying it back, and um, the credit score was shot. Man, I was meeting with a client once, Xavier, and they had um, they'd come they were referred to me because they had like a ton of debt. And this was a, a this was someone I knew who referred them. I didn't know this person individually, so I'm looking at all their all their debt, and they had a Best Buy credit card with like four thousand dollars on it. And I'm like, what did you what you buy at Best Buy? And like, oh, I bought some camera equipment and a TV. I'm like, what kind of camera equipment? What kind of TV? And they're like, they're telling them like, there's no way that costs four thousand dollars. And when I told them how much interest they were they were paying more in interest than the actual camera equipment and TV. 
Mm. I mean, that, that's how costly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's terrible advice to um, to use a. It's not bad advice to use a credit card. Bad advice to use a credit card if you don't have income to support it. Correct. And, and or, I think no, or know how to use it. I mean, I I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about the implications of, of buying, purchasing on a credit card and not paying it back. It's kind of like, as y'all are talking about this, I'm, I have this image in my mind of like primitive man discovering fire, right? This this life-giving thing that fire can be, but incredibly destructive at the same time if you don't know how to handle it, right? And giving mm-hmm. giving a fire stick to a Neanderthal person who doesn't know how to control it and then they burn the forest down and has to start from scratch. That, that's like the image that I had as y'all are sharing this. So when I started working, graduate from college, graduate from Tulane's business school, I started working, uh, this was 20 years ago for an insurance company and these were, these were other professionals in the industry. And this is the advice they gave me. They said, Eric, buy a big house, buy an expensive car, get yourself into debt. It's going to motivate you to work hard. Hmm. Big house, expensive car, get yourself into debt. It's going to motivate you to work hard. The the debt, like being having that kind of pressure yeah. on you will get you up out of bed and working hard to pay it back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Matt, wow. you and I, we've been we've been doing these CE courses or CEU courses for for uh therapists. And one of the things we talk about in relationships, like having debt, the the stress that that creates in relationships and how it breaks, it has the potential to to break down family structures and relationships. And here, coming into the financial services industry, these successful, and all these guys were successful, they said, get yourself into debt. Financially successful, financially. We don't know about their their marriage or their relationship. I don't know. know. But yeah, I'm a young 21-year-old. You know, impressionable. I want to learn. I look up to these guys. It's a good thing I didn't listen to them. It's a good thing I didn't listen to them. But I was thinking about it. Why Why was this such bad, for the obvious reasons, why is this such bad financial advice? Mm-hmm. And I think you all kind of captured that. Num- number one is this idea of um, spending more than you have. Right? Like, you can't spend more money than you make. It's a problem. It's called debt. We, we know that. Yeah, it, and I, I want to say that I was raised in a in a family that taught me financial s- skills, uh, personal finance skills. I, my my parents taught me how to uh, save money, pay bills, write a check, those kind of things, balance the checkbook. Um, we w- I, I went to the bank all the time as a little kid, and and saw my my grandparents and my my parents bank. So I was around that kind of thing. I had a good friend that was a that was a banker, and he taught me about mortgages and some of that stuff. And so I, I knew some things even as a high school student and, and then college student. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really know the, the crushing power of debt until later on. And so it sounds like in Eric, in your story, what you're, the advice that you're being given is put, put the weight on your back, put some, put some shackles on and it'll motivate you to re- run faster. And, you know, Matt, you, you said a couple things in, in there. Um, and, and I think walking into the bank and, and um, having a family members talk to you about, uh, about how money works, that's, that is lost um, in, in today's uh, age. I mean, 
when was the last time you walked into a bank, let alone brought your children to the bank and, and see how things work? When was the last time that, you know, or, or I should say, how often is it that you're writing a check and, and having, a, having a balance at checkbook or figure out where it's coming from? Um, you know, it, it goes back to using the credit cards. It goes back to um, having people tell you to go out there and buy the most expensive car out there, um, get the biggest house you can, um, you know, coming out of school and, and, you know, not having a cap on, on what a mortgage is going to cost. Um, I see those things all too often, uh, you know, and, and especially with when I came into the business, just as Eric did, um, I had a guy tell me, you know, go buy, go buy a Mercedes, go buy a BMW. You need it because... You know, it's going to help. It's going to force you to work harder. So um, that's a common theme uh, out there. Yes, I think about I think about like they said, do this because it's going to motivate you. It's going to like get into debt, like to a certain degree, like maybe there's there's some level of like initial motivation, like, oh, crap, I've got to pay this. I've got a huge mortgage I need to pay. So, yeah, maybe I am going to work a little bit harder, stay up a little bit later at night, um, maybe do two or three more appointments a day, so maybe there is some level of initial motivation. But man, when I look back, I'm like, golly, that's yeah. terrible. Ter- like, shouldn't we be motivated by something different, by something more positive, as opposed to like this this negative? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's in- it's interesting. I mean, uh, all of us are interested in motivation and what motivates us and how do we stay motivated. Those are interesting topics for all of us. Um, and so something like debt, which would be in this case, like an external motivator might be effective for some people in the sense that, uh, you think about the, why you're motivated to go to work or why you're motivated to get your work done. I mean, you all kind of work for yourself. And so there's not a lot of external motivation except for maybe your clients are happy you don't directly have a boss that you're accountable to. And so maybe the debt makes you more accountable. But for most families that I talk to, debt is not a motivator. It's a, it's a crusher. It's a demotivator. It, it's stress and it, it's worry and it's anxiety. And for many people, stress, worry, anxiety becomes demotivating. And, and they actually have a hard time getting out of bed and going to work but just because they're so overwhelmed by the prospect of this is never going away. And, and your, your colleagues, Eric, didn't give you the advice to get into debt. That's real short term. They gave you like, get into long-term debt, things that aren't going to be paid off for, for many years. And so you, you'd be carrying the weight of that for a long time. You, you mentioned that we've been doing these trainings for therapists. And in one of the trainings, we use an image and it's a, it's a person uh, dressed like you might dress, nice clothing, business clothing, but they have this big boulder on their back and they're carrying this boulder around with them. And I, that's the image that I get from from debt. And, and I don't see that as very motivating. Yeah, I, I do. There's some level of like, you can't operate in this society if you don't have some level of debt. It's the, buy the big house, buy the expensive car, that there was this buy more than you're capable of now that was that's that becomes problematic like obviously you know i say squash debt squash debt oh, well obviously it's, it's very difficult in our society to operate to function if we don't have some level of of debt if we don't borrow money to buy a house to to buy a car but we can certainly buy something more affordable xavier i'm curious to know when when you had 
that credit card debt, like, was that, did that motivate you? Did you work harder because you're thinking like, Hey, I've got to pay this off. Absolutely not. Um, you know, it was actually the opposite, uh, of that motivation. And, and, and Matt mentioned uh, a couple things, you know, um, that demotivating you, um, it was depressing. You know, it, it, it was depressing because here I am going to work and, and making money. And if I was doing what I was supposed to be doing by paying that credit card, uh, that credit card bill back or paying my student loans back or whatever that debt is that you're paying back, um, knowing that you're not putting a dent in it, if you continue to pay those minimum payments, um, you know, if your minimum payment is $50 a month and, and you owe you know, let's say three thousand dollars, three four thousand dollars on that card. Are you really making a dent in it? And and eventually, um, looking at that statement every single month, it's depressing. You know, because you're you're questioning yourself. What can I do to get it paid off? You know, what do I have to cut out? Um, so it it did the opposite of, of motivating me. And I feel like, go ahead, Matt. And it, it it's it's just very depressing to pay for things. To, to go out and earn money, Xavier, and that money then you owe for things that you've already enjoyed or already used mm-hmm. up. So if, if you're earning money today to pay for a concert that you went to last month or to pay for a vacation that you've already taken or to pay for a Starbucks that you've already consumed, uh, that's depressing because you're not, you're not, then you're not earning money to enjoy new things. You're, you're earning Correct. money to pay off old things and that, there's nothing, I don't see anything motivating about that. I would think it's much more motivating to earn money to save toward a vacation you're going to take or to save toward mm-hmm. a house or car that you're going to purchase. And, and you know, Matt, it then becomes a cycle because now as I'm, as I'm paying back that experience that I had, you know, a year, two years ago, and, mm-hmm. and, and now I'm sitting there and I'm depressed as I'm looking at it. And what's yeah. the next thing that most people are going to go out there and do? They're going to say, yeah. I need another experience yeah. or I need something else. So let me go back and let me put it on that, on that credit card again. And now that, that debt continues to, to, to grow and to build rather than wiping it away, it's still growing because I'm still paying the minimum. Mm. So it, yeah, it, Matt, it's like a cycle. You, Matt, I like how you put that where especially on the credit card, if you're, you're, you're paying for something that you've already, uh, you've already used, you've already consumed, right? Dave, yeah. you said an experience that you've already had. So rather than looking back and lamenting the fact that I can't do that again until I get this paid off, look forward to, you know, working towards a, a new experience. And there's something gratifying, there's something motivating, right? About yes. taking a vacation or buying a pair of jabos with cash or money that you, or money yeah. that you've, saved up as opposed to piling it on an existing credit card that you're paying 20% on that's already at $10,000, you know, uh, balance. And to think that that experience is costing you, I don't know if it takes you, if it takes you 10 years to pay it off, literally it's 10 years at 20% interest. And that's yeah. a lot of money. That is, you're right. That is absolutely demotivating. So one of the things, Matt, you nailed it. One of the one of the problems with this advice, and all of our advice seems to be seems to deal with debt. Ironically enough, the worst advice we've all gotten has to has to do with debt. And uh, so, so the first thing is obviously we can't spend more than we make. The second thing is you can't save 
when when you're in debt, it's very difficult to save because I mean you're 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 in servitude to Visa or MasterCard or Discover or somebody. You're you're obligated. All your all your money, all your emotional energy is is trying to pay that off. Or if you ignore it, you have a bigger problem that you have to face. Like like Xavier, you had when you came to America, when you came back to the states. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. I mean, you know, and I, I think that's where, um, especially when you when you look at at these individuals graduating from college or you know in their mid to late twenties, they just don't realize how much that debt that they've accrued over the over their over their lifetime, their short lifetime, the effects that it has going forward, whether it's purchasing a home, whether it's purchasing a car, um, that, that debt has a, a, a lasting effect on them. Eric, uh, a piece of advice I, I, I didn't get directly. I don't get, I didn't, nobody told me to do this directly, but a, p- a piece of advice that I inherited somehow or adopted somewhere is spend all your money. Just spend mm. your money, enjoy it. I remember yeah. I've heard you say many times, Eric, that your dad gave you the advice that if you, if you make $5, spend three and save two. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression that if you have $5, spend $5. And so, so maybe, maybe you're not talking about going into debt. It's just spend all that you have. Right. I didn't, I didn't uh, leave college, you know, with this burden of, of, of credit card debt. I, I learned pretty quickly with my $500 credit card limit that that wasn't a good idea for me that buying jeans on credit was not a good idea so I, I i actually learned that lesson pretty pretty quickly but just spending the money that i had um i think was was a, a harder lesson for me to learn and, and and learning to put money away learning to save and and not just save for something else more expensive than i want to buy like Xavier, I remember you, t- you mentioned buying CDs. You probably remember wanting to buy a, a nice stereo system to play those CDs on that was going to be three or $500. Mm-hmm. And for me, I had to save right. up. But I would save up the money and then go spend it on the, the stereo system. That's different from like saving for unexpected, uh, some kind of unexpected financial need in the future. So now, you know, what, what I think what I had to learn in life was how to put money away that wasn't designated. It was just, I'm going to need this one day for something. I can't see it, but there's something around the corner. And that took me a while to figure out that, you know, just spend what you have today versus no, put a few dollars away for something unexpected. And Eric, you've heard me tell the story about when my wife and I were first married. So we're young. We've graduated college. We have some entry level you know, post-college jobs. We're making a little bit of money, but I'm a, I'm a spender. I'm let's go out and enjoy life. We lived in new Orleans at the time. So let's go out and enjoy life. And one night we were going to dinner and we went to, uh, our, our ATM bank one. If you remember bank one here in new Orleans, uh, went to the ATM to get out some cash to go to dinner. And guess what? We had a negative balance of, in our ATM, in our bank account, negative balance. And I remember sitting there in the, the ATM drive lane and, and looking at my wife staring. We're both staring at the little ticket, the receipt. It's negative. And she goes, what are we going to do? You know? And I said, well, let's write a check. And she said, we can't go out. We have to go home. We, can, we don't have any money. 
And my, you know, my feeling was, we can find some more money somewhere. Surely there's, I mean, we can come up with something. Hold up. (laughs) Write a check because like it gives you like a a day or two to put money in your account because it took so long for it to clear or like you're like, we can get by (laughs) with the free meal. Yeah. It was the weekend. Maybe it would take a few days. We could, we could make it work. And I, you know, again, I grew up in a, in a family that went to the bank a lot. We knew the bankers. They'd probably let me slide. If I were in my hometown, they'd probably let me slide for a few days until I put some more money in the bank account. That wasn't bank one, you know, that wasn't corporate banking. Yeah. But I, don't think you I, I had the, I had the impetus of just spend what you have and not put money away. Uh, I had to learn that. <laughs> yeah. I think writing a check, knowing you don't have any money in your account. I think, I think there's, I think there's something like against the law about that. That's, but, hey, that's, that's bad a, advice, or, right? That's bad advice. That's terrible See, advice. Right. That's, that's yeah. right. That's terrible advice. Now, now you couldn't, you couldn't do that now. Yeah. And yeah, now do people take checks anymore? Very few. Yeah. So Matt, you touched on a couple of things here and, and another reason why all this advice is so bad and like getting, getting into debt. And you talked about this idea of, of, um, of, uh, saving is that, when you're able to save and you have more time for your money to grow, your money will grow faster. Right? We call that in the financial world, we call that compounding interest. And if you have debt, then you're not saving, therefore your money's not growing for you. So I think Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. So here we are, all these people getting into debt, getting free, ter- getting free t-shirts and you know, money to buy jeans or whatever, or expensive houses and BMWs, paying interest to who? The credit card company or the lender? Who's making money? The credit card and the lender. Who's losing money? Yeah. Me and you. The, right. But once we understand what's ahead, the consumer. Yeah. Once we understand that, wait a minute, if I'm able to save money and invest money, and rather than me pay a 20% interest rate to somebody, if I can get someone else or if I can earn interest on my money, then in the same way, Matt, those jeans cost you three or four or five times as much as they would have if you'd have bought them with cash. Now the money that you're saving is going to go three and four, grow three and four and five times over, over the time you have that invested, assuming you have, you have a long period of time. And I think that's why one of the reasons that's such, such bad advice is that you're, you, you lose that, um, compounding effect of investing your money over time. Yeah. You're, you're, you, you lose all the potential. And to me, that's motivating. If someone would have sat in front of me and said, Hey, look, instead of buying an expensive car and an expensive house, if you bought a modest house in a, you know, a slightly used car and you were to save this money and invest this money and look how much you could have in 20 years, like, that would motivate the heck out of me. And I think that's probably this. I mean, this might be one of the reasons why my, my business kind of has taken the the direction that it has. And like, I really want to educate people on, on some of these concepts because it is motivating. Once you understand some of these really basic financial concepts, Xavier, that you said aren't, aren't taught anymore. You know, if we're, if we're going on to next bad advice, another, another, uh, bad financial decision I made early on in life was to buy a car that I couldn't afford. And, and when I went what to kind of purchase car was it? the, it was a beautiful Ford Mustang. Ooh. Okay. 
and and uh, I loved it. You know, it was great. But nobody told me maybe you should buy a a used Ford Mustang, a cheaper car. And and in fact, when I went to the dealership to look at it and started getting interested in it, and once you go to the dealership, it's hard to get away from the dealership because you you're now in love with the vehicle. Um, and they started the talking to me about conflicted. They want to sell. They're conflicted. You. Yeah, they're conflicted. They started talking to me about um, you know what the monthly payment would be, and it sounded it sounded like it, it was close to being doable, but not quite doable. Again, I was just starting out and didn't really have a high paying job or anything like that. Um, and so they, they started talking about a special program that they had. You be careful of the special programs, by the way, a special program designed for people you, just like you. Yes. Where you could take your, your monthly payment would be lower, but three years from now you'd have a huge payment. They called it back then a balloon payment. And all you had to do, all you had to do was make the monthly payment, but put a little bit of extra money away each month for the balloon payment in three or four years, whatever it was. So it sounded, you know, it only, it only relied on my personal discipline, right? The whole scheme only relied on Matt being disciplined with money and not only making my monthly payment, but paying my, myself or putting some money away in savings, which you've already know I wasn't great at at that point in my life, uh, to pay this balloon payment in three or four years. So lo and behold, I signed on the dotted line. I got the car, drove off, made the lower, low, lower than normal monthly payments, but didn't, you know, well, next month I'll put some money away. Next month I'll put some money away. And three or four years down the road, I didn't have the whatever it was, six or eight or $10,000 balloon payment money. So then I had to trade the car in on a, um, I ended up trading the car in on a used car that I could afford. Man, but for those three years, you were looking good in that Mustang, right? Yeah, you, you were looking good. I, ha- I ha- eventually had to trade it in because we had a kid and our baby, you remember those car seats? You have to, your car, your car seat has to face backwards. Mm-hmm. And they won't mm-hmm. fit in the, the backseat of a Mustang. So it, it just was in, but, impractical. I had to get a different car anyway. Oh, is that, is so that the story you tell was impractical? Um, no, you had to get rid of it because you didn't have the money. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have the money. I could have refinanced you know, the balloon payment probably. Somebody yeah. would have. They're, they're still doing something similar to that. Um, I actually got a phone call a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I drive a Honda Accord. Um, so the dealership calls me and they tell me, uh, you know, we're, we're giving our VIP customers, um, uh, calls right now. And they, they're, they're, um, uh, calling us and telling us that we're VIP and they want us to come in and, and they're going to buy my car from me. And so, you know, I called, I, I spoke to him and I said, well, how much are you going to buy my car for? And they give you this price, and, and this particular guy told me, we'll give you $18,500 for your car. And we'll be able to put you back in a brand new car, and we'll put you in at the same, at the same price that, that you're paying right now. Well, at the end of the day, it doesn't work. Um, and if they do, they can put you in at the same price or the same note. However, they're going to extend that loan out for the car probably an additional two to three years. So... 
you know, you still have that bad advice when you're when you're looking at those salespeople uh, coming in and trying to trying to do something that's going to better themselves. So they're still out there doing that same that that same practice that you experienced. Yeah, I, th- I think. Uh, yeah. It, right, go ahead, Matt. It just uh, yeah, exactly. I think I got that same call and it's this is, you know, it's all it all comes in different forms. But it's buy more than you can afford. Yeah. So I think I think there's an important lesson here is if you are uh, buying something, financial advice as well, right? Um, understand the conflicts of interest that the person giving it to you or selling it to you has. I think that's really important. So like uh, Xavier, mm-hmm. obviously, hi, Xavier, you are one of our highly esteemed customers. We want to put you in this you special program. You are VIP, program. by the way, Xavier. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Like, what, what's in it for them? Like, what's what's their conflict of interest here? It might not be a bad deal. It might not be a. They they might not be dishonest. But you always have to ask, like, what's in it? What's in it for them? Right? What's in it for the guy trying to give me a free mm-hmm. T-shirt to buy a credit card? How much is he getting paid? He's probably getting. It's right. probably some some senior who's getting free beer to sign up people. Right? What's what's in it? What's in it for them? Mm-hmm. Um. One thing. One of the things that I've kind of noticed, and I noticed this early on. Because I've thought about this idea of this bad advice that I've been given, something that I've that I've reflected on a lot, and like why why is this so predominant in our culture? Why are we so um, you know, so willing to to get into debt? And Matt, you talked about like instant gratification, and I was thinking, you know, years, you know, twenty not twenty years ago, thirty, forty, fifty years ago, like where our parents faced with the same thing, that, that generation. And, and I don't think they were, I don't think credit was as easy to get back then. And one thing that dawned on me was so many of us, our generation, you know, Gen X, let's say, is we want to accumulate and, and we are, we are kind of given these images to accumulate everything that our parents accumulated in 30 years. Like we're under this impression that we have mm. to do it like in five, like hurry yeah. up, and accumulate what they've amassed in 30 or 40 years of work, like you have to do it in five. And the only way to do that is to, well, I mean, you, I say the only way to do that is to use credit. You're not really doing that. You're, you're obviously not accomplishing that. But I think that's that's the uh, that's the, the temptation. Mm-hmm. And so wh- where is that coming from, this idea that you got to accumulate 30 years worth of of wealth or stuff in five years where's that is this a cultural message that we're getting is this a industry um marketing campaign that we're getting Uh, um i think i do think you're right that there is a pressure to have bigger newer better stuff earlier to have wealth earlier to be able to take big vacations earlier um but also there are it seems like there are just more things to purchase now there's more to buy and that we're inundated with ads all the time. So, you know, pre-internet, you were sort of isolated to where you lived and what was available where you lived or in your geographic area. But now, um, you know, the world is our oyster in terms of what we can buy and spend our money on. So I, I think that I think the internet has made this, this issue uh, m- much more difficult for our generation and, and younger. Well, certainly we, we see what others have right. and we want it, right? It kind of, it kind of feeds that, that desire of having yeah. stuff, 
right? You know, we think about like houses, for example, like starter houses. I, I, I very rarely hear people talk about starter houses. You know, mm-hmm. you're seeing people buy their dream house right off the bat. And I, we had a we had a starter house, a little little 1,200 square foot house. It was super affordable. The 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 mortgage was really low. And I look back, I'm like, I'm so glad that I did not take people's advice and buy an expensive house when we got first when we first were married. That I had a starter house. I I had a starter house, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I did too. I missed my starter house. Yeah, I actually. It's not too far from where we live now. And when I see it, I think, I always think like, oh, I love that house. I should have kept it. Should have kept it. But I needed, I probably sold it a little bit too yeah. early. I probably should have waited a little bit longer. So maybe there was that, that temptation to, to buy a bigger house sooner than later. But I look, I say, man, I wish I would have held on to it for two or three more years because it would, it would allow me to, to be in a slightly different position than, I, mm-hmm. you know, than I'm in now. Mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway... Any closing thoughts on bad financial advice, Xavier? You know, leave us with anything. I'd, I'd say, it, you know, if we start, if we look at those um, twenty to twenty to thirty year olds, um, have the conversations with someone. You know, rather than than, than doing something on an impulse um, or um, making a decision. Uh, based off of someone saying you can do this or or go ahead and, and, and purchase that car, that house or that or get that credit card. You know, have those conversations with someone that's close to you, someone that you trust, um, because having that second opinion isn't a bad thing. In the long run, it'll probably help you out. Yeah. Consider uh, <laughs> I would say consider the person giving the advice to you before you ask them for advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hear you probably you probably get this a lot. Xavier, Matt, maybe maybe this happens in couples counseling. I don't know where it's it's someone says like, "Look, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and they think that I should do this with my money, right?" And and they're they're kind of like contradicting the advice that I'm giving. I'm like, "Cool, what's your what's your brother-in-law do?" Well, he's a electrician. I don't know. I'm nothing against yeah. electricians, but but they're like <laughs> they're so far from removed from the financial business, and. They're considering that advice over the advice I give. It, it's always interesting to me. Matt, do people do that in counseling? Sure, sure. I mean, the, we are we are we are we are not of short supply for people giving us advice and people giving us bad advice. There are people chirping in our ear all the time about what we should and shouldn't do, yeah. and certainly that applies to relationships. People have lots of opinions about your relationship or someone's relationship. And, and I'll, I'll do the same thing, Eric. I'll often ask people like, how many people do you, who in your life is happy, happily married? Who in your life is really enjoys their relationship? Let's go talk to them. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, have dinner with them. Get some advice from them. Yeah. That's good. And they probably can't come up with a name or only one couple. It's, it's a smaller pool and they're probably mm-hmm. not the one who's giving advice. Interesting. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Not the one who's giving advice. You know, and, and financially, yeah. I would say sometimes it's hard to know who, who the ones who are doing well financially are because they don't always necessarily look right. successful. The ones who, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes now, the ones who look successful are the ones who are typically loaded in debt and financially insecure and doing absolutely yeah. terrible financially. So it does make it challenging. 
Well, I, th- I appreciate y'all sharing um, what the worst financial advice you've ever given. Next episode, we're going to do the best financial advice that we've been given. And uh, Matt, I always appreciate the perspective of relationships when we look at when we look at money issues, and it's really changed how mm-hmm. I think about the advice that I give. That I'm not just giving advice to help people become financially secure, but I know that the advice that I give, if they follow it, could also help them on the back end and strengthening their relationships. So man, thank you for, uh, uh, thank you for, for that perspective. And Xavier, thank you for joining us on this guys, as we always say, invest in your relationships. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated. 